you're listening to a collective of Mission City Fellowship. Collectives are classes for gathering and growing in grace together. In a collective, there's teaching and sharing from those in attendance, but we purpose to only record the teaching portion of the collective class. May this teaching bless you. May it deepen your understanding and knowledge of the Lord and His Word and lead to your growing affections for the Lord and His people. And so, impact the way we live life with one another at Mission City Fellowship. Section three, living in the power of the Spirit. So first, the broad work of the Spirit, Old Testament to New Covenant and beyond. Uh, I sort of hit on some of this already, so I'll just go really quickly. But the Old Testament displays the Holy Spirit working in people. But what it appeared to be was... So we know the Spirit's working, upholding all things through, the, through Christ and all, breathing life and all this kind of stuff. So that's a big work. But then the personal work of the Spirit seemed to be having, happening exclusively in a select few at distinct times in order to accomplish specific tasks. So God filled the craftsmen that we talked about in Exodus to build the tabernacle. God filled leaders like Moses. See you, brother. Grateful for you. God-filled leaders like Moses and Joshua and David and the prophets um, with his spirit in order to be equipped and lead to lead and slash serve his people. So there's some scripture passages there. Samson received special empowerment three times uh, as the spirit rushed upon him. And in the end, the spirit rushed upon him to conquer the enemies of God. Um, so the Old Testament work of the spirit though, was accompanied by this promised new covenant work of the Spirit. So if you were to look in Ezekiel or Jeremiah or Joel, um, it's pointing to this day where God would give all of his people, not just the select leaders, not just the select few, God would give all of his people, and not just for a moment. He would give all of his people a new heart and specifically cause his Spirit to dwell in them continuously. And in doing this, it would usher in an age of distinct nearness and ongoing help between God and his people. The Spirit would be poured out upon the people of God in a broader, and I would say fuller or more full. What's the English? Wait, is it fuller? Is fuller okay, guys? I don't, I don't know. I'm good at making up words. I said handsomer to Rob the other day. Uh, a, a fuller way, right? Uh, so a broader, fuller way that the Spirit would be poured out on us. Jesus says that he would go away, and in his going, the Spirit would be coming, would be sent as a helper who would dwell with us forever. He specifically says that in John 14, who would dwell with us forever and will be in us. Nowhere in the Scripture does it say that the Spirit would stop doing parts of his work in the church. There is nowhere that the, that the Bible says that. If anything, we see an ongoing work of the Spirit. So I know that sometimes so the, Spirit, the Scripture doesn't say Trinity. So there are things that we conclude. We gather evidence and we make this conclusion. To conclude that the Spirit who is with us forever and will be in us is going to stop bits and parts of His work, you have to really work hard to get to that. You have to really do some limbo limboing to get there. In fact, anytime I'm going into a conversation where I know that's the case, where it's this wrestling with the Spirit, or I know someone who is maybe earlier we had that, like they are passionately rejecting 
the continued work of the Spirit, I feel that the pressure is all on them. I feel very relaxed going into those types of conversations because I can simply say, show me in Scripture where you deduce that the Spirit who is with us forever and will be in us is going to stop parts of his work. If anything, Scripture is pointing to a time when that work would be more full and would be constant and until Christ comes back. That it ushered in this age of fullness in the Lord that the Old Testament people didn't even have. So, I'll keep going here. Um, so in Acts 2, we see the fulfilling of this moment. Christ ascends, the Spirit descends upon God's people, and it's fulfilling the Old Testament promise found in Joel 2. Joel 2, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And listen, it's not just for the Samsons or the Davids. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female servants. I love that. Even the lowest of lows. In those days I will pour out my spirit. We see at Pentecost the spirit is being poured out upon all of God's people. From that point on, empowering faithful life and witness along with gifts to lead and serve. Um, I, I'm just going to brush over this really quickly because we're, we're kind of running out of time, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So even in continuationist camps, there can be some disagreements on some of these things. And I think it's okay. I think there's some things that are okay that are a little bit like, uh, all right, there's room for that. Um, so for instance, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I admire, love, and grateful for, I would probably disagree with him on how he views the baptism of the Spirit. That's okay. It doesn't make me cancel him out, right? Um, and I don't think he would cancel me out. Um, we would lean towards the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an initial experience for all Christians at salvation. That you have the Spirit. We could go into all of the whole detail of that, right? Christ is the one John announces in the beginning of John that Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus is the one who's going to baptize. I baptize with water. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. Okay? Jesus gives his Spirit. The Father, Christ, give the Spirit at Pentecost, comes upon them. There are other passages that just hit on this um, that I, I think... When we see Acts, so a lot of times what happens when people think that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second baptism where like most of the time like Pentecostal theology right would say that like okay now I'm baptized with the spirit three years later because now I speak in tongues or something like that right um, which I'll get a little bit more into that uh, in just a moment but what we see happening in Acts is there is a unique work happening right these are people who have some of them have even put their trust in the Yahweh of the Old Testament, right, of, of, of Scripture. And the, the, the gospel is moving forward. And so you see this shifting of time. So we would say in Acts, when you see this pouring out of the Spirit, um, so even when Paul and the guys, they, the disciples, they go to this, I'm forgetting the, the group of people for whatever reason at the moment, but 
um, essentially he says, okay, were you, did you receive the Spirit when you believed, he says. So it's interesting. It's like there's something happening in time that's unique, I think, at the beginning in Acts in those times. I think Paul is pointing to there is a, what is commonly happening is when you believe you're receiving, that is part of receiving the Spirit of God. There's debate there. Um, I would lean towards that, that all Christians have the Spirit as we need fully um, in belief. Um, I think there is a, a pattern for salvation that's laid out in Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 11, um, of faith in Christ, repentance of sins, forgiveness of sins, baptism, and baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what it's getting at. All right. Um, that kind of keeps us even from thinking baptism of the Holy Spirit is only for a specific few in the church. That's where, like, you kind of have this hierarchy built, like, oh, are you baptized with the Spirit? And if you are, then you're a higher Christian, essentially. And I just think we're all on the same page. The Spirit is working. How do we even have anything that is fruit of the, that's fruit of the Spirit? It's because we have been baptized into the Spirit. All right. I spent even more time I wanted to on that. Because I wanted to get to this, the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. Um, I'm going to read our statement of faith here. When Christ ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit on the church, ushering in a greater experience of God's presence and power among his people. The Spirit transforms hearts by the, uh, by the miracle of regeneration and indwells all believers in abundant new covenant measure. The Spirit also desires to fill God's people continually with increased power for Christian life and witness. So we see Stephen, right, before he proclaims, he's filled with the Spirit, and then he speaks, right? You see these moments when, especially in Acts, people are called to do something, maybe a little bit to speak on behalf, you know, the, the gospel to whatever it might be, and they're filled with the Spirit, they do this. Um, where was I at? The Spirit also desires to fill God's people continually with increased power for Christian life and witness, to be filled with the Spirit is to be more fully under His influence, more aware of His presence, and more effective in His service. All Christians, therefore, must continually seek to be filled with the Spirit by living and praying in such a way that invites the Spirit's work among us, actively longing for God to accomplish His gracious purposes in us and through us. The filling of the Spirit brings to God's people a deeper knowledge of Christ an increased desire for holiness, a stronger commitment to unity and love, a greater fruitfulness in ministry, and a deeper gratitude for our salvation. I think this particular topic of being filled with the Spirit is, is pretty important. I, I think it's actually a, a huge portion of the Christian life, so I do want to spend a little bit of time here. So the filling of the Spirit, seek, seeking to live in the power of the Spirit, essentially. Ephesians 5, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, give, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 18, which is, but be filled with the Spirit, is written in the present tense imperative, meaning we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, and it is an ongoing command 
to continue to regularly be filled with the Spirit. And the, the original language, when you study that, it clearly, like there are clear markers in the original language to show you that type of thing, okay? So we're not just reading it in a, in a tone. It's like, okay, if it has this on the end of it, then it's, a, it's showing this, that it's an ongoing thing. That, that's the way the original language is. That's what I love about doing language study. So it's a, it's a present tense imperative. It's an ongoing, it's right now, but it's an ongoing, regularly, continues to seek to be filled with the Spirit. Notice how the filling of the Spirit doesn't just impact their personal life, it impacts others. When Christians are filled with the Spirit, we address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The Spirit produces a stirring on one of uh, on one another, uh, of uh, stirring on of one another in the faith through truth, saturated and spirit-induced songs. We sing and make melody to the Lord with our hearts, which reflects true, genuine worship to God. So the Spirit produces an overflow of affection and praise to God. We are people individually and corporately who give thanks always and for everything to God, specifically in Christ. The Spirit produces this overflowing thankfulness in Christ. And we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, meaning the Spirit produces a love for one another that is filled with honor and humility under a sense of honor and humility under Christ. Being filled with the Spirit impacts our personal lives and it impacts the church. Andreas Kostenberger in his book, The Holy Spirit, says this, the expected or intended response to this command to be filled with the Spirit is for Christians to yield to the Holy Spirit, to be controlled, pervaded, or permeated by the Spirit in all their ways, to consciously place themselves under the guidance of the Spirit moment by moment. It's interesting because at the beginning of that Ephesians 5, the whole do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. Well, why is that? Because at that moment, you're being ruled by something, right? Your mind, your actions, your emotions, are being ruled by something in the world. He says, don't be ruled by that, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Let your mind and your words and your actions and your heart and your feelings be ruled by the Holy Spirit. I think of being filled with the Spirit like this. You've probably often heard me pray this. I I pray this often Um, when I'm praying for people. May you help them to think more with the truth of Christ, to feel more with the heart of Christ, to speak more with the words of Christ, to live more with the aim of Christ. I pray that often. And I would say the summary of that is be filled with the Spirit of God. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We are designed by God to live in dependence upon the empowering work of the Holy Spirit even to grasp scripture, to grow in holiness, to use our gifts, to speak truth and love to a friend, to serve joyfully. The call to be filled with the Spirit is the call to, to daily draw upon the life-giving power the Spirit gives to enable and empower a vibrant Christian life. We, we get tired and weary in life's burdens We get fearful in life's trouble. We need wisdom for life's decisions. We are needy people, but God has intended to meet that need in the power of his spirit. I've learned recently with my health that I 
one of the things that I have, I'm still having more, like I'm going to a neurologist in November in Midland and um, my doctor, who's my also a dear friend of mine in Midland, thinks there's more going on. But one of the things that, uh, that's, that I found out about myself is my body can't process and, and produce these vitamins that normally we would take in. So I take a ton of vitamin D, I have to take vitamin B, I have to take vitamin A, and that may just sound normal, but it's because my body doesn't have it. And uh, specifically vitamin B, um, if your body can't process vitamin B, you're in trouble. Um, it affects your energy, it affects your memory, it affects your immune system, uh, on and on. And so I recently learned that my body is going, in order to have pow the power that it needs to have to live, I have to depend upon daily taking specific vitamins or supplements. I, I daily have to draw upon the life-giving power of these vitamins so that my body is empowered for daily life. Without it, I can live. I can go on, but I am a shell of myself. It, it is like the vibrancy of my life that could fully be there is, is dulled, essentially. Do you see your need for the spirit as more important than the daily vitamins or food your body needs? Do you see your need in that way? If I don't take my vitamins, boy, it's a tough day. Do you see your need for the Spirit daily is greater than the vi very vitamins you have to take and the very food that you need to sustain you? I, I, well, So question then, so when you start your day or you're going throughout your day, are you aware of that need? And so then does it lead you to pray in light of that need to the Lord? Often, it's interesting. I've talked to even, I remember, I remember one conversation specifically with a pastor where even this pastor said, I don't struggle with reading the word. I wake up and immediately grab my Bible and I read the Word. I don't struggle with that. I read it at lunchtime. He reads it all the time. What I struggle with, this is the guy, I struggle with just praying and asking God to help me. And I be, I actually, I always say this, I'm not surprised by, you know, things, but I was a little surprised in that moment, you know, that this pastor, you know, good pastor, struggles with being aware of his need for the Holy Spirit to help through just the daily things he has. And so he struggles to pray. And then just as I've gone on in life, I've become more and more aware that that's actually a pretty regular thing. Um, I know some of you, and boy, you guys pray. But that's not always the case. And for all of us, we can be tempted to go on, our, on a, about our day. Um, I think it's, it's an important thing to be aware of. If we rarely pray for the empowering work of the Spirit, it may reflect you don't think you're as needy as you really are. Right? It may even reflect that you actually think you can live somehow independent and self-sufficient 
of the power God provides. Does, does the Holy Spirit have, in a sense, a place in your life where you are actively depending upon the Spirit for your everyday living? In the book of Acts, we see the risen and reigning Lord Jesus continuing his mission to build his church as he acts in the daily lives of his people through the power of the Spirit. I could go on this huge list in Acts. We see the Spirit. I'll just give a couple. We see the Spirit working in Christians and empowering them in numerous, numerous ways. I think I didn't put this list in your, in your, in your guide or whatever. Do you know why? Because I thought, Go read it. <laughs> Go and read it. Go and study it. Read slowly through the book of Acts and just say, where's the Lord at work? What is he doing in these people who are now Christians, who are responding in incredible ways? How is he at work? What is the filling of the Spirit done? We see he fills them with a greater awareness of the person and work of Christ a deeper and resolute joy in Jesus when they experience pain or loss, a steady assurance of hope in the Lord's sovereignty over their circumstances, a trust of the Lord's goodness towards them when circumstances don't seem good, peace in the Lord's sovereignty reigning over their chaotic and uncertain lives. They suffer well, right? There's a sensitivity to sin that quickens them to flee from sin. I mean, it's just, you could just keep going on and on. But, but I do think a, a, a big one is they have a longing and eager expectation to pray for God to do miraculous things in and through the church. <clears throat> if you're desiring to grow more, I think, in what it means to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to read, to read through Acts and to just pray. Just revisit it, read through it slowly, but then pray expectantly because the same spirit that was at work then is still at work today among us. Now I do know, I do know there, there are some unique things. There are, uh, there's a unique role the apostles play in Acts. Um, I don't think there are current big A apostles What's interesting, because even cessationists would believe this, that that word apostles doesn't necessarily fall under the only with the apostles, but you see almost like Paul includes them in Thessalonians when it almost includes the whole group of them um, going, that the apostles are sent ones. They're, they're messengers who are sent, right? So we would distinguish there's little a in a sense, and then there's these big A apostles. I don't think there are big A apostles anymore. Um, that would obviously be different than some charismatics, right? Um, so there is a unique thing happening with the apostles, but we need to pray expectantly as we see the Spirit do stuff in Acts. It's the risen and reigning Lord Jesus who's working in his church through the power of his Spirit. We pursue being filled with the Spirit and actively long for God to accomplish his gracious purposes in us by living and praying in such a way that invites the Spirit's work among us. First, unrepentant sin grieves the spirit we want to flee what grieves the spirit Ephesians 430 
Second, a major means of grace Christ has provided for us, and we've already kind of hit on this, is, is prayer. Is that we enter into this flowing waterfall of spiritual nourishment and the Spirit's empowerment through prayer. You see throughout the book of Acts, in 28 chapters, prayer is mentioned 30 times. Those 30 times of mentioned prayer are strategic mentionings of prayer. You see the advancement of the gospel, the building of the church, the enduring suffering, the standing bold in truth, the leading and miraculous works of the Spirit, their loving unity, on and on, are all woven together and connected to the disciples praying and God willingly and kindly acting. Prayer is by God's design a major means in which we daily draw upon the power of the Spirit. It is a place, I think of it as a place, uh, where we repent of sin and confess our need before the Lord. It is a place where we humbly ask the Lord to act and to help us in His power. I have a friend who actually literally, just randomly, he's in Canada. Um, His name's Tim Kerr. He's an older brother whom I love. And he just randomly sent me, he has, he's written two books, sent me a whole packet of some of his books. And um, we have a, a quarterly prayer time. Yeah. I just want to ask, um, is he a pastor of the Sovereign Grace? Yeah, he is. And then he, just to clarify, does he, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make no. sure it was the same man that I met. Oh. Did, does he, has he went to Sovereign Grace Ministry, like conferences, and like done like a prayer group? I am sure he has. He, he is. Um, so there. No, no, I'm sure he has. So he's written, he has one book. Oh, I should have just brought him and gave him away, but I didn't have enough for everybody. But he's, he has one book called Take Words With You, and it's essentially how to pray. And it's just tons of resources through the scripture that he compiles that can help us in prayer. And then he has a little, little small book that I was going to share about um, where it's like 22 points of, that help us pray or something like that. But on the, on the cover of it, he has a greenhouse in the middle of, a, of snow. And the, the reason why is because in Canada, you can imagine the snowstorms are crazy over there. But he said that you'll be driving and there are all these greenhouses. And when you walk in, it's like 70 degrees green. There's life in there. And outside, it's like blizzard and snow and all this. I first heard prayer in this way from Tim Kerr, sweet brother. Um, prayer is like that greenhouse in the winter wilderness of the world. That's why I call it a place. In a greenhouse, you just walk in and it affects you. Right? Prayer is that way. You just simply pray and God's doing stuff to you. God's teaching you things. God's at work in you. You stay in the, in the greenhouse long enough, if you're a little plant, oh, you're nourished. You're, you're cared for. You thrive and you grow. Prayer is that way to the Christian. It's the greenhouse in the midst of the winter wilderness of the world. That's why I call it a place. When we enter into that place, there's a lot of good that happens. And it's one of the major means in which we depend upon the power of the Spirit to be at work in us. Prayer is a privilege granted to us by the sovereign and mighty God who, ha- who is supernatural and rules over the universe where we get to ask Him to act, to do stuff. 
Christ says in John 15:5, apart from me, you can do nothing. We must take those words to heart that we can truly do nothing apart from the empowering work of Christ through his spirit. And so we pray. Ian Bounds says, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. I've longed for us from day one to be a praying church. Man, if all of us are these little plants walking into the greenhouse, how good would that be, right? But specifically, asking the Lord, Lord, empower us to do this. Help us as we're going to. So, so just, just, I, w- I just want to give some specific ways this plays out in my life. I'm driving to meet with a person one-on-one. This is wild. I heard from that one pastor who said he struggles to pray. He often isn't praying on his way to meet with these people. Now, my encouragement to him was, brother, I think you need to be praying, obviously. I hope he's grown in some of these types of things. Um, I'm begging the Lord to meet with us. We need the Spirit. I am praying. You've probably heard me pray this. I prayed this before we started. If I'm meeting with just you and I, I'm praying, Lord, this is, there is not just two of us in this room. There are three of us. You are with us. So, Lord, we need you to speak into this. I, if I'm going to fellowship group, I am praying, Lord, help me to be an encouragement. Give me energy. Give me strength. Call to mind your word. Help me to be a blessing to those of the body. Help me to be joyful and glad when I see them, to express the love of Christ. Let me, help me to be a benefit to the group. I'm going to HEB. I'm praying. Lord, please help me. Would you lead me? Help me. If you should lead me to anybody, help me to be ready to share with them. Help me to express the love of Christ to them. Anytime, so we try to form this as even just a good, godly habit of grace in our home. So every time, so we're eating, we thank God. We are starting something new. We're starting school. We ask God's help. We're going to worship. We're going to go to bed. We pray. We're going to leave anywhere, anywhere. We pray. Whether we're walking to the mailbox, we're asking the Lord to help help us. We're asking the Lord to be with us. Should we meet one of our neighbors? If we're driving somewhere, we pray. We pray for our own good. And we pray for those good, the good of those we might meet. And most of all, for the glory of God. Right? I think that's, that's what follows the whole call of constant prayer. Right? It's just that in all things we see, I need Jesus. And Jesus, you give the Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit, to help me. I need you to be with me. And I'm trusting you are at work and with me, right? Um, Some more ways that I've just seen this and tried to walk in this. Um, I've seen the Spirit give specific scriptures that come to mind meeting with someone or praying for someone. So it happens in counseling meetings all the time. I pray for the Lord to speak into the meeting like I just mentioned. And as they're talking, I'm listening and I'm praying. And I'm sure you heard that at the Care Collective probably last week. I'm listening and I am praying, not, not praying in such a way where I'm not listening, but I'm prayerfully listening. I'm listening and I'm saying, Lord, how do you want to respond to that? Lord, what does your word say to that? Lord, what do you, I will say this little thing. I will say, Lord, what do you want to say to that? And here's the thing. We talked about the Lord speaking earlier. Here's how I think this happens. 
So often I've heard cessationists just mock continuationists when, when continuationists say that because they immediately, see, you heard this audible, thunderous voice and things. And sometimes charismatics set ourselves up for that because we say some crazy things sometimes. But I think, for instance, I'm meeting with someone and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to this? And then I have a scripture come to mind. The Lord is speaking. The Spirit is speaking. The Spirit will never, ever produce something that is contrary to the Word of God. So if there is something that comes to mind that is contrary to the Word of God, it is not the Spirit. Okay? Just tuck that away. There, there was a time I was a younger guy. I was really wrestling. Where should I live? What should I do? And I am driving one night. It was the night of the Super Bowl. The Giants won. I remember it vividly. I don't like the Giants. Hate the Giants, actually. <laughs> and I'm driving. And somebody, you said go Eagles. Somebody said go Eagles. Oh, yeah. It was. Yes. Go Giants. Go Giants. But I start driving because the whole time my heart is just wrecked. I, I could just feel, I feel like a bird in a nest that's like un unsettled. And I'm like, Lord, where, what are you doing? Are you trying to get me to go? What, what is this feeling of unsettledness? And I'm, and I'm driving one night, and my, my parents live kind of out in the, in the country, in a sense. There's dirt roads and all sorts of, sorts of stuff. It's dark, and I'm driving out there, and there's just no one. And I, I'm like, Lord, I'm just crying out to the Lord. Lord, lead me, direct me. I feel like I need to be going somewhere, but where do I go? And I get to this like it's a four-way stop, but really you can go six different ways. It's this incredible little intersection. And I stop there, and there's just no one around. And I just, Lord, this is exactly what I feel like. Where do you want me to go? Which way do I go? And I just had this thought. Be wise and pick a way. And then this settled my heart because I said, if I'm wise and I pick a way, I know you go, you go wherever I am. And that's you leading me. That's the Lord speaking. Now, it came to me as a thought. It was the, an inner thought. But if I chalk that up to my own thoughts, man, I don't think so. I think that removes glory from the Lord. That was the Spirit of God speaking. I think the same thing probably happened to the disciples when they're in Acts and they're in Antioch, right? And it says the Spirit speaks and says set apart, Paul and Barnabas. I think that's what happens. There are times I'll wake up in the morning, or there's one moment I can think of, I woke up in the morning and immediately there was a guy on my mind. I hadn't talked to him in a while. I send him a scripture passage. I'm still laying in bed. I just grab my phone, I pray for him, and I send him a scripture passage, and I say, hey, brother, I just want you to know, you came to mind, praying for you, here's a verse. He responds back and says, brother, that's amazing. The Lord is so kind. He was like walking through cancer. I had no idea. He was getting news that morning and was just anxious and wrestling. I had no idea. Well, what was it that brought that guy to mind at that moment of need. It wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God. 
I think that happens more often in the church than we realize. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, I've had people do that towards me. I had Elliot the other day. Elliot, right? Uh, uh, dear brother, right? He's, he's working at Mark's outing. He's working during the day, and we were just texting each other. And I, I just left a meeting, and my heart all week had just been kind of heavy. I've kind of grieved some of my health stuff. I feel like I grieve at times. You know, I'm used to running. I used to play basketball two times a week, full court. I used to play soccer, local soccer league. I used to be very active. And now it's like I just hurt to play Duplos on the floor with my kid. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm kind of grieving some of that. And this week I was really grieving this particular week. And, this, and, and Elliot sends me this song. And, and the, the key of this song or the, the key truth of this song was that He's got you. Jesus has you in his in his hands, and everything's going to be okay. And it was like, it was like a bomb to my heart. Well, what, Lord? That was such a timely care. How could that be? Elliot's at work. He's sweating over work, and yet he, I come to mind. Brandon, that song to me. That's the kindness of the Lord caring for us. That's the Spirit at work. Um. The Spirit, I believe, has filled me to be bold when I would normally be terrified. There was a point I got asked. I was still in Midland, a single guy, young guy. I got asked to speak at a youth event. And so I go to another town. I'm speaking. And I left my car, my vehicle, in an alley. My friend lived in Midland, but he lived in a, an alley, uh, I want to say casita, like a, like a little casita in the back, in the alley. And so I left my car there, and we get there, we get back, like it's like one o'clock in the morning. And we pull up, he's like, all right, brother, see you later, my friend, all right. He goes in, and literally like seconds later, I'm like, where did this truck come from? I turn around to start walking to my vehicle, and this rumbling truck is passing by in the alley, and guys are just yelling, screaming at me. Curses, all sorts of things. And I'm literally caught off guard. I just, I look like, I'm holding my Bible, and I look like that. I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, oh, oh, he stopped. Oh, they stop the truck. They get out. They have chains and bats and poles. They surround me. Like, I don't know how many guys were in this truck. They surround me. So I'm, I have like against the fence and there's all these guys here. And they're like, what side do you claim? Like a gang member, right? At that time, I guess I could have passed more for that. Didn't have these dorky glasses that are like super thick, you know. If they would have seen the glasses, they'd be like, oh, this guy's, this guy, don't worry about him. <laughs> but they, they pull up, what side do you claim? And they're just yelling at me. And literally, chains, bats, poles. And I remember, <laughs> it's the cheesiest thing. But I just yelled out. This is so corny even to say. I claim Jesus. That's what I said. <laughs> I claim Jesus. And they're like, what did you say? They literally said that. What did you say, man? And I said, I claim Jesus. And, and they kind of like pause for a moment. And one guy says, oh, he's a church boy. <laughs> so they say, oh, he's a church boy. They're like, oh. And they kind of cuss me out. And they start going like this. And then one of the guys who had a pole, or had, it was a guy with a bat, he comes up with it like, he, like he's still going to hit me. And he comes right up, like fast, like almost trying to scare me, right up to my face. And he stops. And I, and I thought as he's coming, I said, oh, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. 
like here's the guy who's going to beat me to death and he stops puts out his hand and daps me up <laughs> like I appreciate that or he says I respect that man and I'm like <laughs> and he turns around and goes back to the truck gets in and they leave and I'm like so I'm standing there with my Bible and I'm still just looking what in the world just happened y'all I would normally just be I mean I was terrified but what filled me I mean, I say it now, it was kind of cheesy, you know? I claim Jesus! Yelling it out in this alley in the middle of the night. That was the Spirit of God. I was completely unprepared for that moment. Guys, bats, chains, poles, ready to kill me. I felt, oh man, I'm going to die. I think that was the Spirit of God helping me in the midst of what I would normally never have said. To share the gospel. I think the Spirit of God has helped me share the gospel with people. When just unprepared, I think the, the Lord has given courage to share the gospel. The Lord has given, I think, words to share imperfectly. We are going to try to grow in that as a church. We're talking actively right now about how maybe we can just equip the church with a, a simple gospel to share with people. Um, but I think of Markel. Many of you know Markel, a guy named Zach who was a pastoral intern who had lived with us for a year, was walking with me at a university, and we're just praying, and we are asking the Lord through His Spirit to lead us to people to share the gospel. And we're just saying, Lord, would you just lead us? And we're sitting there praying, and we see Markel, and both of us just have a heart for Markel. Like, we're like, let's talk to that guy. And we end up stopping him, talking to him, share the gospel with him. And he responds. He says, I, he, at first, it was amazing because he's like, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm just trying to pray more. I'm just trying to do good things. He's like, well, that actually doesn't save you, man. And so we got to share with him what it was. And he said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this gospel that you've just heard? I want to respond. And it was amazing. It, it, from that point on, I got to baptize him. He was in the church and at LifeGate, has been here, obviously. Um, it was very sweet, but it, it, only the Spirit does that. The Spirit can do that, right? Um, lastly, and this will tie in to our, our last session on the gifts of the Spirit. I think the Spirit has filled me to walk in His gifts, which includes sharing the gospel, but in somewhat of a unique way. Um, I think more of a prophetic way. So I, I have... I have I can tell you many stories. Some of you may have already heard this story, but uh, Danielle and I, we had a date night um, a while back, and we went to the jazz club. We went to Jazz Texas, which is at the Pearl. Super cool place. Wonderful date night if you guys are going to go. Um, so we go. They were playing Disney songs that night, which is like, right, perfect time to go to jazz club. And um, we go, and the waitress comes up, and she immediately trips over herself and spills water all over me. She's like, she just splashes all over me. And I think normally my impulse would have been probably like, what are you doing? <laughs> I wouldn't have told her that, but like, come on, you know. And, but instead, my impulse was a melted heart. My heart melted with compassion for her. Like just a compassion. 
And I just, it's okay, don't worry about it. And so throughout the night, I just am praying for her. I'm praying for her heart. I'm praying, Lord, just don't let her get discouraged by that. Lord, would you care for her? And then I pray something I pray pretty often. So in prayer meetings or when I'm with people or for church or when I'm going out into the city, I will pray, Lord, if it is your will, would you give some insight into something that's happening in their life that they would know you are a supernatural living God and that would open a doorway to the gospel or into, into a Christian's life that I could encourage them and they would be freshly assured that you are a living God who's with them. I will pray that often. So the night's going on, I'm praying that for her, and at one moment I'm praying, and I'm, I'm still, I have my eyes open, I'm watching, and it was kind of like a daydream, where I see this picture in my mind, and that's typically what will happen, a very vivid picture, where, and I'm, I'm not like drooling all of a sudden and weird, but I will see a picture, sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's a very vivid like movie almost playing out like a picture and I saw her walking up to a house an old house and there was an old man and she says something to him and then she turns and leaves and she's walking out and as she's walking out I saw the word dad like big dad and then it shifted and it said sad and I will get things like that I think it ties into what the Word of God says when he's talking about Moses, when he says, to Moses I speak face to face, and to the others I speak as if with a riddle. I think that's what it is. I think it's a prophetic insight, and we would say prophecy, and I'll define this more in a moment, but we would say that prophetic sense is God, God revealing something that's unknown or hidden, and then someone sharing that. I think there's big P prophecy where God reveals himself, his new, new revelation of who he is, which is scripture. I think we see that in scripture. And then at the same time, we see in scripture, there are prophets who don't write scripture, but yet they're prophets, or they have a prophetic gifting. Um, and I would call them little p prophecy, or that little p prophecy, where God is revealing something that's hidden it's not a new revelation of himself, but it's, re it's hidden in the hearts of, and lives of people. And then he's applying the truth about himself to, to them. So that's what I think happens. And we can talk more about that. I hope, hopefully there's a, few, a little bit to talk about that. So I'm praying for this girl. I see this picture. And so now I'm struggling. Do I be the weird guy and share that? And I struggle that all the time. I've had numerous occasions of this, and I struggle with it all the time. I think it's one way the Lord keeps us humble, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm praying, okay, Lord, give me courage now. Give me faith, even if I need to look foolish. So at the very end of our night, she's cleaning up. Danielle is accustomed to us trying to share the gospel and pray with our waiters or waitresses when we're done. She didn't know that I had been praying and what I'd seen. So we go up to her. Her name's Ariel, our waitress. And I said, Ariel, uh, so you know, thank you for serving us. I was praying for you, and we're Christians. And she's like, oh, great. And I was like, well, we wanted to ask if there's anything we could pray for you about. She's like, oh, thank you. And I was like, but before you say anything, I said, I kind of have something a little bit odd or weird, weird to share with you. So 
and I share with her what had, ha- what had happened. I was praying for her. I share with her everything. And, and I had just this sense, okay, the whole dad's sad. And so I, I bring it up. I said, are you, are you sad? Maybe about someone you love. Are you maybe you're really sad about your dad right now? And she just starts crying. And she says, so my, my dad recently died. And she said, and our thing was watching Disney movies together. So her name's Ariel. And she said, and so tonight I'm trying to serve everyone but re- and put on a happy face, but really I just feel incredibly broken inside because I'm hearing all these Disney songs just play. And she's just crying. And there's people moving around us and, and all this. And so I got to explain to her, and she's like, what is going on? Like, what? And I got to explain to her that despite what you have felt or thought about God, let me tell you about it. He's a real, living, supernatural God who knows you and wants you to know him. And so I got to share the gospel with her. We got to pray for her. I regularly am waiting for her to walk in the door at church. It breaks my heart that I haven't seen her. We've gone back and visited her, and each time she's cried, and she's like, I think about you all the time. And, and we just get to pray for her, and, and there we go. I have had numerous occasions of that. So I would say we see the filling of the Spirit working out in the gifts of the Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit are in all sorts of ways, empowering to parent, empowering to be faithful workers, empowering to serve. There's all sorts of gifts, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But even in maybe the more what we would say, I don't know, they're not more supernatural because every gift is supernatural. Administration, someone who serves humbly and generously in a way that builds a church, that is supernatural. But maybe what people have called it, maybe a more the outworking of miraculous gifts. Um, Some people would deny it. Some people would say what I have experienced is evil. And I would say they're calling what God is doing evil. God is opening a doorway to the gospel and to exalt himself by revealing things about people, which I think is very much in the Bible 